0: Welcome to Crossroads of Culture and Christianity. I am your host, Jacob Jellison, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Hove. Today, we want to spend some time addressing some listener questions. There were three questions that a listener sent in via email, and so we want to address those individually and spend a little time talking about them. They pretty much all revolve around the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a unique thing to the Pentecostal perspective. And so we want to spend some time just answering these questions. The first question that the listener sent in uh, is, can someone lose the baptism of the Holy Ghost? If so, can it be sought after again? And so as I was kind of pondering that question, there was a verse that came to my mind, and I think that it's a verse that pretty much answers this in a nutshell. One thing that I will readily admit, I think that you can find scriptural proof for someone as you would say losing the baptism of the holy ghost but i don't know that there's a, a lot of just cut and dried verses that you can just point to and say yep right there and so that that is a little bit of a difficulty but i do think that there is one verse that we can look at and examine and once we understand it we can realize that yeah it does seem to be a possibility in ephesians chapter 5 verse number 18 the bible says and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled With the Spirit. Now, in the Greek, the Greek wording of that, uh, that section that says be filled with the Spirit, seems to indicate that it's something that should be an ongoing experience. So, in other words, it's something that we should maintain the fullness of in our lives. We should maintain the fullness of the Spirit every single day. And if that's the case, if we should maintain the fullness of the Spirit in our our lives every single day, then I think it would logically follow that if we fail to do so, then we would cease being full of the Spirit. And so that's one of the verses, probably the main verse that I would point at and say that seems to indicate to me that if I fail to obey that command, because that's virtually what it is, it is a command to be filled with the Spirit to the believer— If I fail to obey that command and if I fail to maintain the fullness of the Spirit in my life or to do what is needed to maintain the the fullness of the Spirit in my life, then I would cease uh, obviously being full of the Spirit. That's true. And in one sense, if I fail, as you said, to maintain that
1: fullness of the Spirit, and, and it's an ongoing thing that those who are going to be filled with the spirit. It's an ongoing experience. And I would say that in their question, if so, can it be sought after again? Of course, if I realize that I've become not full of the spirit, I can seek after it again. And I and I ought to. It's right. still true that I was full of the Spirit in the past, and I have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but there can be a loss if I get distracted by so many other things in life, and I quit seeking the Lord. And and really, that's what we're doing when we seek for the Holy Ghost. Remember, the Holy Ghost isn't just speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost is a person, and when we seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're seeking to be so full of this person, of the power of this person, him flowing through our lives. So if I recognize and come to the realization that I've become dry and I don't have the fullness of the Spirit as I ought to, I can again begin to seek the Lord, and there can be a fresh baptism of power from the Spirit and And so, so, there can be that seeking again, and that seeking should be in one sense, if we're to be filled with the Spirit, in one sense, that seeking should be an ongoing thing. It's right. not that well, only those who have went a long time and become dry, only they should have to seek for the Holy Ghost. No, there's a sense, and maybe if it's a current, ongoing experience that we have, maybe the seeking isn't as hard a process. The further we drift from being full of God, it seems like the longer it takes to come back to him.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And to pray back through to it. But when you keep close to him, and you stay full of him, in one sense, every single day, I seek to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, that's a reality for the believer. Every single day I seek to be full of God. And if I were honest, I would have to confess that there have been those days in my Christian walk that I didn't seek the Lord as I ought to, and I went through a day without being full of the power of God. Uh, but on a regular basis, a routine basis, we ought to seek Him. And in our prayer times, in our personal prayer times, and in those times as we seek the Lord, it's, it's seeking a person is what it is. The Holy right. Spirit is a person. And so in seeking him, he will fill us again and again. And in seeking in asking the Father to fill us full of his spirit, he will do it again. Right. And he'll keep us close to him. And 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 the closer you stay to him and the fuller you stay of him, the easier it is to the next day stay full of him and stay close to him. And so so the key is just to stay. Right there. Every day, there's a seeking after God and letting him fill us full. I would add one thing, and this is a little, it's in line, but just because the question was, is it possible to lose it? And, and this is just one passage, but in Hebrews 6, it talks about those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. And then it talks about them falling away. If it's possible for a believer who's been filled with the Spirit of God to fall away. And and in that passage, it begins talking about the idea of this falling away to the point that it seems impossible to renew him again to repentance. But nonetheless, there's a falling away. And if that's possible, that that can happen, that I have to also admit it's possible to lose this experience. Not that it never was true, but we lose the present power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. That's a possibility. And so whether it happens because I, in one sense, in this passage, just willfully choose to turn away, or whether it happens because I quit seeking after, probably because I'm distracted by other things, it does seem very possible to lose it. And the key is, let's turn back to God with all of our heart. And seek Him,
0: right? I heard one preacher say this. It's kind of a cliche thing, but it's it's true nonetheless. I think in essence, but he said this. He said we don't believe in once saved, always saved, but we act sometimes like we believe in once filled, always filled. Yeah, and that's I think there's some truth to that. As like I said, it's it's kind of cliche at this point, but it's it's true nonetheless. I mean, if we don't hold to this idea that we can stay saved no matter what we do, then the same is true of being full of the spirit of God. If there's no desire to maintain that fullness, if there's no seeking daily for that person or hungering after thirsting and hungering after him, as the scripture tells us, then you're not going to be able to maintain a fullness if there's no effort put into it.
1: Right. That's true.
0: And so the second question that the listener asked that uh, we want to address is he says this, are we required or commanded to seek for the baptism of the Holy Ghost after we get saved. If it is required, does that mean a person who is saved and does not try to receive the Holy Ghost commits a sin? There are a couple of things that I would like to say in regard to that. The first is, again, I want to address Ephesians 5 18, as Paul is writing there, and he says, Be filled with the Spirit. Not only is that an ongoing thing, but the way that it's worded, it almost seems to be worded in a in such a way as to be a command. So if you're a believer, then that is a command. It's something that we should do that Paul expects of those that are believers that he is writing to. But the second thing that I want to say in regard to this, and this is where I think it really strikes at the heart of the matter. I would want to ask this question. Why would someone who is saved not want to be a partaker of that power that was promised to them? Because keep in mind, Scripture plainly teaches that that power was promised to all believers in every generation after it was poured out at Pentecost. And so if you are a believer and if you're saved and that's something that's been promised to you, what is it about it that would not make that appealing? Why Why would you not want to be filled with the Spirit? So I think that kind of strikes at the heart of the matter. It's not a matter of if someone just chooses not to do it, are they committing sin? It's a matter of what is it about that that's not appealing to you? What is it that that causes you not to want to seek after it that's that's one of the the main areas of question that i would have
1: that's a As far as dealing with that question that was asked, if it's required, does it mean a person who is saved and does not try to receive the Holy Ghost commits a sin? And that question you asked in return, Brother Jellison, I mean, really gets at the heart of it. It, Why not? Is there some reason that it's not appealing, that they don't want it? And honestly, that recognition that we said a while ago that the Holy Ghost is a person, recognizing him to be a person it's not just that you're opting out of something, you know, you're opting out of the fullness of the third person of the Godhead. Right. That sounds a little more serious. And so just to turn our nose up at it and say, you know, I know that God promised this, but yeah, I'll pass. Thanks. I'm good. You know, it, it seems to be a, a horrible route to take. And I would say most people that choose not to receive the Holy Ghost or not to seek for it and just go on. More times than not, there's probably something in the background beyond just a turning their nose up at it and saying, nah, I'm good. More times than not, and it could be just multiple things. It could be, for instance, unrepentant sin in the life, and they refuse to deal with the sin issue in their life and frankly we're not going to be full of the spirit if we're full of the world right and maybe because of that they do not draw closer to god it's it's unrepentant sin that needs dealt with then again it could be and there may be some who are this way it, it's Poor approach to take but it's the same approach you hear the unbeliever take who looks and you know says you know what there's hypocrites in church i don't want to go to church it's the same approach but some may have seen something false right and let's be honest under the banner of pentecost there have been things that have taken place that are shameful
0: yeah that i don't
1: want any part of but just because somebody has a bad experience doesn't mean that I turn my nose up at what God wants me to have. Mm -hmm. There's still a reality for the believer. And so those that don't try, in in the words of the question, does not try to receive the Holy Ghost. Those who don't seek after the Spirit of God, do they commit a sin? Well, again, let's go back to the question— Why are you not wanting to seek after? Because there's something to just in your heart say, you know what? I know God wants me to have that, but I'll be fine without it. There's something horribly wrong with that. But most people, I don't think it's as quick and pointed as that. I think most people, it's just either they get discouraged. I know you and I have talked and there was some confusion that I faced in seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I know you even told me there was times when you faced frustration and Felt like it wouldn't happen for a while, right? So maybe something like that's happened, and they've become discouraged, and and they've quit in discouragement. And a lot of times, when we quit in discouragement, it's because we misunderstand. I know there were times when I was first seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I'd get up from the altar and hadn't spoken in tongues, and felt like, man, I didn't get there. You know, but that time of prayer wasn't wasted. right? The whole time I was praying there, experiencing God, it's like, that's what it's all about. We don't seek tongues. We seek God. And if God's presence was there and I was basking in his presence, the time in that altar wasn't a waste. Right. It was needful for me to be in his presence. And for whatever reason, I wasn't in a place where it, it, I didn't receive or maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe he was needing to do a further work in me before I was ready. Maybe he needed to deal with me about something further, whatever the case was. But being in his presence isn't a waste. right? But there are a number of reasons why people may not seek. Again, that frustration that leads to discouragement, unrepentant sin. Maybe they've been swayed by other doctrines there are doctrines out there and i i won't delve we won't delve into it tonight we just don't have time we've we've done it at length in the past but there are doctrines out there that would deny the experience that you and i say is biblical and, right. and not just that we say is biblical but read through acts it certainly is there and and i find nothing in scripture to warrant a saying, it's not for us today. Right. And that experience, maybe some have become swayed by other doctrines and they need to get back on their knees with the word of God open before them and seek after God with all their heart and he will fill them with himself.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that was kind of where I was just to give a personal testimony, I guess. You and I were talking about that beforehand. I remember getting saved at the age of 15 years old and began seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost after that point. And I remember that I would seem like I would get right on the verge. You know, my my mouth would be quivering things like that. I would just be right on the verge of of praying through. It seemed like to me several times. And the problem that I had is I never could seem to get through to that point where I had been filled with the spirit of God. And as a result of that, I began to get frustrated. And I remember even saying at one time, because it took me until the age of 19 to get filled with the Holy Ghost from the age of 15 to 19. So about a four year period. And I remember getting frustrated during that time and just saying, well, it doesn't matter. You don't need it to go to heaven anyway. And it wasn't that I didn't think it was important and it wasn't that I didn't think it was desirable. It was, I had just reached a point where I just never could seem to get through to it. And out of frustration, I remember saying that. And so, but, but that didn't, that may have discouraged me at times, but Nevertheless, I, per, I persisted and continued seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost right. and ended up receiving it at the age of 19 years old. And so that is one of the reasons why someone may not want to pursue it. But again, that would just lead me back to this this point. Even in the midst of your frustration and discouragement, you realize that it is a promise that was given by God. And if it is a promise, and if you're saved and you can be a partaker of that promise and that power, what is it that would stop making it appealing to you? Because even, even in the midst of my frustration, I was still, it, it still appealed to me. It was still something that I desired and I wanted, right. and that's what frustrated me so much about it. If it was something that I didn't care about or something that I was indifferent toward, then I wouldn't have gotten so frustrated. But it was the fact that it was something that was desirable to me, and that's why I, I got so frustrated. Sure. And so the last question the listener asked is, is there a fake baptism? If so, can people who are genuinely seeking the Holy Ghost accidentally receive a mimic? Are there practical ways to know if you or others have the genuine Holy Ghost or a mimic? I guess it's a technicality. I don't know. I guess you could call it a fake baptism. There are certainly imitations that I would say are not genuine at all. For example, I have heard of churches where. People are taught how to speak in tongues. They're either told to pray really, 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 really fast until they just begin to speak a bunch of gibberish and that's tongues, or they're told to repeat after somebody, or there are several different ways. And Brother Hope, you you mentioned that a minute ago. There are several, several different types of doctrine out there that, that can cause confusion in this area. And so the problem with that, though, is when you're being taught how to speak in tongues or somebody tells you to talk really fast until gibberish comes out that's not genuine because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that when you are filled with the Holy ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it is as the spirit gives the utterance. So you're not going to have to be taught how to do it. You're not going to have to talk really fast until gibberish comes out, but it is the spirit that will prompt you and speak through you. That doesn't mean you lose control. And we've done, we've done an episode on that in the past. It doesn't mean you lose control of all faculties and you just can't help it, but rather it is a prompting by the spirit and the spirit begins to flow through you. And so if they're not allowing the spirit of God to flow through them or to give them the utterance, then I would say it's not genuine. And unfortunately, that's whether the seeker is genuine or not. That's just the case. I'm sure there are plenty of people that have been deceived by false doctrine that were genuinely desiring the Holy Ghost, but were misled. And so they have an experience that's not genuine. Now, with the exception of the above mentioned, and I don't want to, I'll let you chime in here in just a minute, Brother Hof. but with the exception of the above, uh, the above mentioned example, so the the example of somebody being taught how to speak in tongues, you know, I, I don't know that a believer can accidentally receive a fake baptism. I, I don't know that you can just accidentally. I think that if you're genuine and you're truly seeking, now with the exception of being confused through False doctrine, as I said, but if you're a genuine believer that's in a good Bible-believing church that, that teaches the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I think it would be extremely hard for you to accidentally receive a fake baptism. But on the other side of that, the way that you can test whether the baptism that you have received is genuine is what occurs after the fact, how your life changes after the fact, what kinds of things happen after the fact, because after all... The Bible is clear that tongues is simply the initial. Sign evidence. It's not the only evidence of being filled with the Spirit, right. but it is the initial sign evidence that lets us know the Spirit has taken up residence. We have been full. Of, we have been filled with the power of the Spirit, and now the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that our life is lived after the fact is going to testify to whether that was a genuine experience or not. Right there is,
1: as you mentioned, other evidences, other signs we could look at. The Holy Ghost. He's going to lead us into the Word. I mean, he's he's going to line up with the Word of God. That's the sword of the right. Spirit. And the kind of work he's going to do is going to fit what you're going to find in the Word of God. And so the best test, the best standard we have, we judge experiences by the Word and not the other way around. Right. And so if I want to know if I received the real deal… Go back to the Word. Does my experience look like the experience in the Word? Does the Holy Ghost do in and through me, and does he operate through me in ways like he does in the book of Acts and the epistles that I see evidence of him operating through believers there? And, you know, it's comparing our experience to what we see in the standard, which is the Word of God. That's going to show me, but in the in the question, and and I don't know on a personal level, but for a lot of people, when I hear this kind of question, is there a fake baptism? If so, can people who are genuinely seeking the Holy Ghost accidentally receive a mimic? It almost sounds like there could be a little bit of fear behind that question, right? A little bit of uncertainty, and I'd like to give two answers to help ease the ease the uncertainty, ease the fear. Number one, I remember the Predic, when I was there at the Bible school, he talked about those who would be afraid of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there's a place where it talks about the Holy Ghost being shed forth. And in Acts 2.33, I remember Brother predic speaking on this more than once. It says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, speaking of Christ, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. And one of the things Brother Predic had said was the idea that just like Jesus shed his blood, he then shed forth the Holy Ghost. And it's that I don't have to fear when I ask him to wash me in that blood It was Christ that shed that blood. I don't have to be afraid of being washed in the blood of Christ. Right. In Matthew 26, 28, it's the same word. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And and the same Christ who shed his blood for my salvation is the same Christ who sheds forth the Holy Ghost. We can trust him. We don't have to be afraid. Right. There's another passage I'd like to just mention briefly, and that's in Luke chapter 11. And it's a familiar passage. It's the passage that begins to talk about ask, seek, knock. If you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, it's going to be opened. And then it says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And of course, the answer, it's its a rhetorical, well, no, no father is going to do that to his son if he's a good father. right? And then Jesus looks at him and says, if ye then... And they are evil. And he says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Keep in mind who you're asking. When you go to the heavenly father and ask him to give you the Holy Spirit, he's not going to turn around and give you a serpent. He's not going to turn around and give you a scorpion. He's not going to turn around and give you a demonic spirit. Right? He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. So you can trust. You don't have to be afraid. Perfect trust and confidence can be placed in the father who's a wonderful heavenly father. You can ask and you can trust that the one you're asking
0: will give you the spirit. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to ask us any questions, you can reach us at askthecrossroads at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by clicking on the description of this episode and you can follow the instructions down there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.